Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Welcome back to another week. Yes, another week. And it's like immediately summer here in the upper Midwest. Yes. It went from, it has been crazy. So but the bugs have been really bad. So I bet there's going to be a lot of vector-borne infections that we'll be thinking mm -hmm. about here over the summer. Oh yeah. Make sure when you go outside that you have your bug repellent and your sunscreen on. We'll talk about that in a future date, I'm sure. But for That's now, right. I wanted to touch base with you. Last fall, oh. we announced to the group how you were taking on your new role as president and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories and other diagnostic services. And I thought we should just check in and, and see how that's all going. And maybe you could tell us about all of the multitude of things you've been up to. This might be an extended podcast. Yeah, it's been a very interesting an exciting transition for myself mm -hmm. personally, and really for Mayo Clinic Laboratories. The whole thought was that, that Mayo Clinic Laboratories enables Mayo Clinic to participate in how we think about diagnostics outside of our walls, as well as within Mayo Clinic. Having me go from being the department chair and president of MCL, Mayo Clinic Labs, to be full-time at Mayo Clinic Labs, and actually the parent company right now is called Mayo Collaborative Services, which is not a great name, but it, it's basically to say that not just growing and thinking about how we could grow and make Mayo Clinic laboratories more effective, but also other areas of diagnostics where really laboratories, clinical laboratories like Mayo Clinic should be participating and thinking about them because it really will shape the future of our profession in healthcare. You can imagine that's a pretty broad landscape. That's a big canvas to try and paint on. But one of the focal areas that we have is on remote diagnostics and thinking about even non-biological specimens, electronic signals that involve CV monitoring. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of activity that maps more to our traditional labs, but in a new way is actually our biopharma diagnostics, which is something that we've been very focused on here over the last several months. Yeah, let's talk more about that because I feel like we've talked about reference lab testing and outreach, but biopharma hasn't really gotten a lot of attention. And I think that's an area people would be interested in. Can you tell us what that is and what it entails? Sure. Essentially what it entails is working with the pharmaceutical industry and also device manufacturers. We can't forget mm -hmm. that as well as they bring either new drugs that they need to go through clinical trials and identify the testing that's really needed to see if those therapeutics are safe and effective. Number one, we've been thinking about this for a while in the labs in terms of companion diagnostics, but it's bigger than that. It's a real need of the pharmaceutical industry to kind of look across the spectrum of diagnostics. And then of course, device manufacturers, they also need to make sure that their devices go through FDA. We experienced this a lot during COVID where we worked with a lot of the at-home testing, Dr. Karen and others to test and compare and help prepare for submission to FDA, some of the different at-home testing or self-testing. You've been involved with that as well. Yep. So it really is, is the both. I think in essence, what it is, it really maps well to two things. Number mm -hmm. one, our focus on innovation at Mayo Clinic and, and really thinking about that that innovation 
timeline, that innovation scale in some ways has around clinical laboratories has been compressed, right? All of us in the clinical laboratory think about how we use the lab to, in new ways to support patient care. But now there's all these other things that are coming more and more pressing for us to think about how we bring them into our clinical practice. So the more we're participating and working with the pharma industry to understand what therapeutics are coming, provide advisement on some of the tests that would be needed to help us to understand if they're working. And then probably most importantly is that as these therapeutics are getting to be more and more targeted and more and more expensive, how do we actually identify the patients that will benefit? Again, that really falls back to the clinical laboratory. So what we're doing on the biopharma side is really trying to work with pharma to understand their needs better, but it's really to the purpose that by the time something becomes a clinical test, it really benefits as many patients as possible in terms of knowing who needs to be treated with some of these therapies and how we monitor if they're successful. So that's the essence. It's really kind of a focus on the innovation piece. And then same also on, on the device side. I think that's really important. I know a lot of people in the clinical laboratories, some people work with pharmaceutical companies, other industries, others don't, but it is important that we have our voice there to help them guide to make sure the testing that, for example, may accompany drug use or really show that a diagnostic instrument is working is really a good test. And we've seen some examples that maybe perhaps there isn't the best test as a companion diagnostic. So that's really our role is to help provide that expert advice so that our tests all benefit our patients. I'm glad you brought that up. It brings up two things, really. Number one is that if you think about a a pharmaceutical company developing a, a drug, and bringing it through clinical trials, or even a device manufacturer developing a, a new diagnostic modality, mm-hmm. they tend to look through it at a very narrow aperture, right? About what's this drug? What's this new test? And you, you and I both experienced this during COVID. You know, you had tests that came up that they had a singular test around COVID that could be done at a point of care at home. But as laboratorians, we don't think about those single things. We think about how they fit into the greater whole which really my thinking as I've been in this role is really a diagnostic ecosystem. Each new test that enters in has to enter into an ecosystem that has the patient at the center, right? So that it makes sure that it's the best possible for that patient. And to your point, I mean, clinical laboratories, that's what we do. We think about all the diagnostics and how to best use them for patients. The others are regulators, right? So the companion diagnostic, to your point, it makes a lot of sense that the way the FDA process works is they have to really lock down as part of the clinical trial, everything, right? So they'll lock down the test very early because they need to. And it's very Mm -hmm. expensive for them to make changes or modifications. The other thing is clinical laboratories is just as we've talked about with Valid and other things is really to get engaged with regulators, help them understand how the clinical laboratory works because there is thinking within the FDA that maybe this approach to, to companion diagnostics is not really the best for patients. Maybe it should be more focused like we would think of as laboratorians that we think about what are the performance characteristics of the test? What do they need to be to, to, safely prescribe the drug as opposed to what single Mm -hmm. test is everyone going to have to use to prescribe this drug. So I think there's a lot that we can contribute. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you could highlight any of the exciting work. I know there have been some recent announcements that have come across with Mayo Clinic Laboratories, Biopharma, and then the Department of Lab Medicine and some exciting new collaborations. Yeah, I'd I'd love to. There's a few that we've announced. Again, we have such an amazing integrated practice here at Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. And of course, through the genius of Henry Plummer, 
we were the first with the integrated medical record. It was paper, it was not electronic. Yeah. And it would used to come through the tube system in these plastic packets. You, I don't know if you remember, I'm old enough that I remember that coming through the tube stations, all these charts, packets of charts. And mm -hmm. you could go back and find notes from 50 years ago on a patient that had been at Mayo that long. Because of our integrated practice, those are the things that really allow us to make insights into who's responding, who needs drugs, where are their needs, just like we identify needs for testing through that. We, identify, we help us identify who's responding to, to drugs and where new drugs are needed or new treatments. And so, and then we have, of course, our labs, which are, you're, you're now the chair of the department and I'm not, but, but I'm, I'm still a, a member of the department, but we have such great staff, both the consultant staff, as well as the allied health staff that really across so many different areas, that's really why it's important for us as Mayo to participate is that we just have things that we can offer, but we're not alone that in that way. But what that has led to, to even early on companies reaching out to us and wanting to work with us and a couple of like, and really on that innovative piece. So a really exciting one is Alpenglow, which mm -hmm. is actually a non-destructive tissue technology that provides a 3D view. You can actually, the, you've seen the videos, they're amazing. You can actually Fascinating. Fly, Absolutely. You fly through and, mm -hmm. you know, we start to think about those are the sorts of things that are going to really transform how we practice pathology because it takes digital pathology and all those things are going to drive us from 2D to 3D, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to drive us from a glass slide to data that's in the electronic system interacting with other data, just like in our integrated practice. So that's one. We're announcing one with another company in Chicago, an AI company. So there's now algorithms are a big part of the drug development and biomarker identification pathway. And so we're working on that. Dr. Hip is leading that. He's actually at ASCO this week because oncology is a big focal point for this. But as you know, there's a lot of diseases out there that need new therapies, sepsis, infectious mm -hmm. diseases, and pathogens. But those are just a couple. One is on the physical side. The other is on the, the, the more the computational side. But they're all really opportunities to innovate. And again, really think about as a clinical lab, how can we work now in those areas to understand how to transform our practice? Going back to the whole Peter Drucker adage, the best way to predict the future is to create it, right? So those yeah. are a couple of the exciting partnerships. And I think they provide new opportunities for the department as well, because that's the other piece of this is that these things are all really expensive. That's the one thing that changed a lot in my time in lab medicine is that the technologies are becoming more complex and more expensive. So we have to find new ways that are economically sustainable for us to interact with them. And this is one of them. Well, I can give you a personal story of a collaboration that's come out of uh, Biopharma is a uh, TechSite. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yes, I can and, talk about uh, that. Tech site, digital pathology and algorithms. And we've now been using this in my lab. And in fact, we talked about it a little bit in one of our recent podcasts. And this allowed us to bring in technology that is really helping our technologists decrease the time it takes to identify parasites in stool specimens by digital scanning, scanning in a slide, and then using an algorithm created by TechSite to find the parasite present them to the technologist, and then the technologist uses that information to make the final call and write up, uh, sign out the case. So it's cutting down our time for screening negative specimens substantially. It's helping us really tackle our workload. And I think in the future, we're going to be doing co-development to do other types of parasite identification in specimens. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think it also, there's a couple of things that it brings up. Number one is that I think all of us have to be aware that pharma industry itself 
has become very interested in diagnostics through the pandemic mm -hmm. and trying to think about if they actually participate in diagnostics, can they actually drive the use of their drugs? You think about like Pfizer, BioNTech, I mean, they made billions and billions of dollars from the COVID vaccines. And they're yeah. thinking about, well, what about the next therapy? How would we be more participating in the diagnostics? And so they're getting interested in those same technologies that you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece of it, we think of it, biopharma as very much like Mayo, we've talked a lot about Mayo, but the reality is that the more we participate in some of the things that you're doing, we can actually drive access because, you know, yes. I know there's many that are invested in global health. It's COVID taught us anything is that we have, and monkeypox falling on its heels, is that we have to be really invested in global health. And these tools kind of counterintuitively can help increase access because the more we can use things like TechSite to rapidly identify who has a condition, the better we are able to get the pharma industry to get the treatments to those individuals mm -hmm. when they need it. And it can be in a more economically sustainable way and, and actually improve access to care. Yeah. And well, also working with these companies, we're helping them improve or create products that can then be used that could be available in a format that smaller labs can take on rather than trying to create their own tests, which could be quite challenging or trying to validate a laboratory developed test, which can be quite extensive by having commercially available tests that eventually will be FDA approved or cleared. That makes it much more accessible as well. Yeah. Case in point, I know I mean, you can confirm that the very same specimens you were talking about, we start to see those go up as sending them through Mayo Clinic Laboratories mm -hmm. to our department just because of the workforce shortages out there. And it's really not in the best interest of the patient. They're not the kind of things that are so esoteric that they need to come to Mayo. It's just we need to help build the tools that make them more locally available like you're right. doing. Right. And again, this can all go, come through understanding how the pharma is thinking about diagnostics, helping partner with them and with others to with purveyors of technology to really help solve those problems. That's really what it's about. And I think that's, again, goes back to the whole purpose of having me come to this new role is mm -hmm. that I'm really my I'm full time thinking about this kind of intersection between different entities in healthcare and how they intersect with diagnostics and how we can actually build those out. And what you mentioned, Bill, about making sure that testing occurs locally when it needs to, that's something that I've always really just been impressed with our mission at Mayo Clinic Laboratories is to make sure the testing that should be done locally is done there, while also enabling the more esoteric testing to be sent to a reference laboratory that has that expertise. And so this would continue along those lines. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just another area really important, as you and I talk about a lot, for people in the laboratory, clinical laboratory, they might think, oh, pharma, that's treatment, that's not us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, we really have to pay attention to what's happening in healthcare because diagnostics is at the center of so much of it. Absolutely. We're the backbone of all medical practice, in my mind. Agreed, 100%. <laughs> Well, Bill, thank you for all of that information. Very exciting. Lots of great things going on. And uh, we can highlight some of those in future podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully people are we're, we're building websites and things and other tools. So if people are interested based on what they hear, reach out to us. We have more info. So it's because uh, it's good for all of us to stay informed. Absolutely. All right. Well, until next time, see you later, Bill. Uh, see you, Bobby. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.